0: So if you're ready to be bloat-free, poo better, have more energy and become free from the fear of food, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to another episode on the Nourish Gut Podcast. I am really passionate about what we're going to be talking about today. It's something that's really dear to me and close to my heart and I think it's because I see it with so many of the patients that I'm working with, um, or now when mentoring practitioners, it's a really big area and um challenge, uh even with other practitioners. And this it's such a complicated arena. I think that we're now looking at emotions, we're looking at mental health, we're looking at gut health. Um, we're looking at people's past traumas, relationships with themselves, with others and with food. So it's a really loaded conversation. Um, but I think I really wanted to come on today and, and share my thoughts around it and provide some further education on it because most, most people don't realize the impact that disordered eating or um, eating disorders or food restriction can have on our gut and for so many people they don't even realize that it could be one of the underlying causes for even ending up with their chronic gut issues so before I jump into the 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 guts I suppose of no pun intended I um, of what i wanted to talk to you about today i guess i want to approach this topic with sensitivity because i realise that disordered eating and um this is a really big issue for some people and it's complicated and i think that you need you know more than just a naturopath or nutritionist on your team you know it is a very um i would suggest you look at you know looking at a psychologist and counselors and doing other forms of therapy and i think that there's this this line of like we think that disordered eating is like we associate that with the pinging and the anorexia and it really being this end stage chronic thing but i do think that it is invisible in some people and you may have a family member or a close loved one that has that and you don't know or maybe you're sitting there and sorry you're sitting there right now and you know that this is something that's going on in you people can't tell so it's not always visible all right and there is a line from mild to moderate and to quite severe disordered types of eating But what I really want to share today is, you know, really focusing in on this type of relationship between disordered eating and IBS and how restriction or your fear of food or maybe your journey and experience with food is affecting your gut health because it's, I'm really passionate about it. I, I I feel like we're in a bit of an epidemic and it's been I've been feeling this for five to ten years like throughout all of my studies when I was actually in university. I remember this so distinctly. This is kind of when social media really took off and everyone was kind of a food blogger or you know an Instagram influencer and I had back at the time, uh, when I was studying an, an account and I would be sharing the food that I cooked. I wasn't qualified and I would just be sharing photos. And, um, I also remember even just my, my, you know, I actually think most people have experienced some form of disordered eating, whether that be like dieting, emotional binging, um, calorie counting. It could involve over exercising or it could be more like a disorder a disorder like anorexia or bulimia right and most people have experienced or done something like this so going back to when i was studying there was a period of time where i was you know studying and i was learning all about the body and health and illness like I was surrounded by constantly learning about this condition and that condition and that's toxic and that's not good and this is what's good and this is what we need to be doing and I can't quite remember whether it was second or third year of my studies but I got really overwhelmed and anxious you know the social media world was blowing up and you know you would just food was everywhere everyone was saying everything on social media and I was studying this amazing degree and absorbing myself into that. And I got a little bit scared of the world. If I'm being quite honest with you, I, I felt like there was so much going on. There was so much that could impact my health. There was so many, I felt like the, like the companies in the world were against us in terms of health and well-being. And it was a really full on time to be studying and, you know, having these realizations, and you know the pharmaceutical companies, and you know when you dig deep into all of that stuff, it, there's some there's some stuff that's going on in the world that I don't agree with, and I still hold true to those beliefs. But back then, when I was younger and I was a <laughs> stressed out, uni student, you know, it did, and that you know even um, uh, orthorexia, which is like that healthy form of disordered eating where you're it's kind of almost masking up or you're only eating health foods and um things like that so i I feel like you know even i experienced elements of that of like being fearful of you know eating too much gluten or um you know just having so lots of processed foods and i'm I'm proud to say that i'm now at a place where i can go and you know this week i ate a (laughs) waffle cone ice cream and I didn't give a shit like (laughs) but past me would have found that hard um at times but you know it's growth and you know maturity and education and being able to view that as a sometimes food and that's something that I speak to my son about now who is two years old and he has this obsession with biscuits like some, I don't know, someone gave him a biscuit. Maybe it was us. Maybe it was his mom, nan. um, And he will like ask 10 times a day, Bicky, Bicky. And I've had to be challenged in this conversation around food and, you know, it's so loaded. <laughs> and to him and I just explained that, you know, we can't have a Bicky for brekkie, um, but it's a sometimes food and, and trying to have conversation that's really educational and positive positive and allowing, you know, yourself or your children or your loved ones to still indulge or have those moments of, you know, enjoying that food without it, you know, completely crippling you. And unfortunately, what I see in my practice is that it is crippling them mentally, physically, socially, and it breaks my heart. So, I want to kind of have a discussion today about you know what, what's actually going on here. So when we unpack it, you know, there's a lot. We've got pre-existing mental health conditions, whether that be anxiety or depression, um, and or bipolar, or you know, it could be anything. That is automatically going to amplify right so then you know that that could be having the the gut brain connection going on there could be miscommunications happening the person already has anxiety and now their gut microbiomes not great and they're starting to get gut symptoms or all of a sudden they go and get you know, traveling or get exposed to mold and now they've got these chronic gut issues right now when you go on google or use social media or you start talking to friends and family you know, the common things that you get told is you know reducing gluten, taking out dairy, going on the FODMAP diet, cutting this out, cutting that out, cut that out, you know, have you tried the plant-based diet, go vegan, um, avoid histamines, do the low salicylate diet, right? Cut out, cut out, eliminate, exclusion, 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 fear, 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 fear of food, It's all fear-based and people start to think that it's the food's fault. And in some cases, you know, we can see reactivity happening, but there's an underlying cause for that. All right. And I guess what I wanted to share today as well is that the moment you start restricting foods... Or calorie counting or fasting this is going to impact your gut this is going to impact your cells in your gut the inflammation in your gut and it could be the very reason that your gut has gotten worse it could be the reason why you ended up with SIBO or IBS or IBD okay it is one of the pillars of that I'm looking at is is there a history of eating disorders and restrictiveness some patients come to me with 10 years of just and they they've cut out so much that they're now got like a list of 10 foods that they can eat and they're genuinely petrified to add that back in and this is disordered eating and this is not healthy and what i really really want to share with you is that you can get back to that place where you can start to add foods back in but it's going to take a complementary approach, a a multidisciplinary approach with different practitioners. You're going to have to realize and take ownership for the fear of the food and the restriction and your relationship with food, checking in with your body. How do you feel about eating that garlic, about eating a piece of bread? How do you feel about going out and eating dinner where you have no idea what's going to be on the menu? How do you feel about going to a wedding? I guarantee so many of you listening right now have already got that feeling of like, no, I can't do that. The anxiety is already kicking in with you and you're not even in that environment. But you know, if you get in there, you're going to struggle with that. Or you may more be on the side of worrying about the after effects. Like, are you going to have to run to the toilet with a diarrhea or be constipated or spend five days, you know, of sick leave after that wedding? And so I'm not dismissing at all, but I think we have to dig deeper. All right. And and firstly, have these conversations and realize, okay, I am scared of food. I do have a form of disordered eating and I need help because there are some beautiful techniques and therapies and things that you can do. But sometimes I find that I'm also working with people that there's, there's this mental disconnect and they still so genuinely believe that that food is the issue. So when I'm working with patients, I, I take them through a process you know, and, and treatment plans through my Nourish Gut program um, and, and we work on you know, fixing these underlying causes, there will be periods of time where you may need to reduce certain types of food. But you need to add these back in and more by the time you have finished up working with me. And this is also something that I mentor other practitioners on. Because health professionals are failing people in this sense. Because if you are working with someone and you don't tell them that that's a diet therapy and that it's not a forever thing, then they may stick on that for the rest of their life because you have given them symptom reduction and given them their life back where they can actually go out and socialize. But they're avoiding that food and that's depriving the microbiome and that long term is quite possibly not the best thing. So, with anyone that you're working with, you need to get to a place where you can add these foods back in. You need to be able to heal that gut. You need to identify the underlying causes. And you're going to have to look at your emotional and mental well being. Because I guarantee that that is playing a really big part in your relationship with food, your fear of food, the anxieties that you have. So, whether that is working with a health professional who is trained in psychology or counseling, or whether you undergo uh, hypnotherapy or you do other forms of any neuroemotional technique release and tapping. We have a very special guest coming up later this month where we're going to dive into more of this stuff. Um, So please watch out for that amazing interview uh, with Rowena. I'm I'm so excited to be bringing her onto the podcast because she is just incredible with this stuff. Um, or maybe it's as simple as doing tapping techniques and meditating and, and, and tuning in with what's going on with you. You know, your body will be storing emotions. So it could be a relationship breakup, parental traumas, car accidents, anything related to emotional well being and traumas that could be affecting your relationship with food. And at times over time, this is kind of made worse and worse and worse by blogs and social media and friends and family who mean well and throw ideas at you. And you've gone through this cycle of trying so many things that you've got grasped onto the idea of the low FODMAP diet or this food or that food being bad for you and that you're just sticking with that because you're like, oh, clinging for hope that that's going to be the thing. But I can guarantee you the moment you do have a trace of that thing, it's going to set up every single symptom again. And this is where deeper, you know, process and treatment plan needs to occur. So I would love to know from you, like what relationship, you know, ask yourself these questions. What relationship with food do you have? Like, do you feel triggered by food? Do you feel scared of food? Or maybe you're on a journey. You already know this stuff, and you're on a journey for healing this. I'd love to hear from you about, you know, what you're doing or what you're finding hard and challenging. Like send me a message on Instagram, or you're welcome to send me an email. Um, I'd love to hear from you, um, especially if you're looking for, you know, a process to go through where you can feel nurtured and supported and talk about this stuff. And own this stuff while healing, while addressing the underlying cause and getting to a place. I love it when people get to phase six. I just, you know, and and sometimes it's a lot of coaching and mentoring and and cheering them on and saying, you can do this to get them there. And health isn't linear. You're not going to get there from A to Z within a month. It's going to take time and work, but every single one of you can do it. I know you can do it. And I would love to support you with that. So I work via my nourish gut program. It is open for enrollments and this is exactly what we do. You know patients with IBS and SIBO will have a history of some form of disordered eating or a you know unhealthy relationship with food and it is a really core component of what we work through throughout the program um i love talking about this and i find that you know i'm caught up in in many different conversations not only with my patients with colleagues and with other health professionals and i think you know the main aim of of today is to just raise that awareness um because it is really challenging um and you know if you sense that you have a loved one or you know a friend who may be struggling with this just provide support ask them if they're okay you know and it may you may not be right and that's okay too but it can be really isolating and challenging don't dismiss it and don't think oh she's just crazy and on a fad it's a lot deeper than that and i think we need to have better understanding because these people just want to feel well and not suffer from debilitating issues so please reach out to that person or if you are that person ask for help Find someone who you feel confident and safe to talk to about it and be brave because I know you can do it and there is help out there and you do not have to continue living this way. I'm sending so much love because I know there are people out there that need this and please come and say hello if you would like to continue this conversation. Take care. Bye. Did you like what you heard? Leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about my Nourish Gut program or the Nourish Gut Kids membership, head over to my website. Would you like to be a part of a community that gets it? Join our Facebook group, Nourish Gut Community, or come and follow me over on Instagram. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.